You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, This morning, uh, we look at the scriptures, and though we finished our sermon series looking at what happened with Jesus after the resurrection, after Easter, uh, today is one of those important moments in the life of Jesus. It's it's Ascension Sunday. Uh, And here with us to read that passage today is Brian. So here's the passage from Luke. Hi, I'm Brian and I'm glad to read the scripture with you today. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are a witness of these things. Look, I am sending to you what my Father promised. But you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. He led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. As he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, overwhelmed with joy. And they were continuously in the temple, praising God. Thank you, Brian, for sharing the scripture this morning. Uh, And this is the moment that happens about 40 days, well, 40 days after Easter. And so Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples. He's been sharing about them, about what the kingdom looks like, and and being resurrected with them. And so he takes them and he leads them to Bethany and after blesses them is taken back up into heaven. And in happening, when this happens, the disciples respond with this prayerful and worshipful attitude. <laughs> I saw online this week that the ascension of Jesus is basically Jesus's new work from home model. Right? Jesus goes back to heaven and is now working in the world except working from home. Uh, we're living in this uh, quarantine life as things are reopening, as we're beginning to kind of move back in safe and careful ways into, into society. And in many ways, though, our life is still looks kind of the same. I've still been working from home. And one of the things that I did when we first began this quarantine journey was to set up a small desk in our bedroom, kind of off by a window that looks out over our backyard. And one of the things that uh, my wife Melanie had the foresight to do was when everything began to close, and especially when our resident, our community pool closed, she jumped on Amazon and ordered one of these inflatable pools. So at least we could splash and cool off in the backyard. Now it was uh, Monday morning and I was sitting at my desk, which looks out the window, as I said, and over our backyard. And if you remember Monday morning, it's been kind of like this week where these, these storms have been just coming up at odd times and almost out of nowhere here in Florida. And for us, if you're in other parts of the country or the world, this isn't the normal time that we would have them. We expect them in the afternoon. And on Monday morning, the storm kind of came up out of nowhere. The clouds rolled in and all of a sudden it got really windy. Now we had emptied out our pool and it was on the porch. But all of a sudden the wind lifted the pool up carried it outside of the porch, and it was headed for the fence. It was headed for the side yard. And my thought was, this thing's going to pop, it's going to blow away, and we're going to lose a vital part of our sanity 
in this moment. So I jumped up from my desk. I ran out the back door. I grabbed the pool, which was already around the side of the house and making a break for the front yard. I grabbed it. I brought it back. I put it back down on the back porch. And I took our kids' picnic table, and I picked it up, and I put it inside the pool because this time this pool was not leaving. I, I took a picture of it when I got back inside because I thought the whole scenario was kind of humorous. Um, you can see that here. And what I realized was I handled this scenario a little bit different than the disciples did. So the first thing I noticed was that Jesus was carried up into heaven, and the disciples do not try to anchor him down. Unlike me, who, when my pool was carried off, presumably to heaven, I wanted to make sure to anchor it down because I wanted to make sure that my goal was that the pool doesn't leave again. I wanted to make sure that when I wanted to use our pool or when the kids wanted to play in it, that we knew where it was, that it would be where we had it, and that we were essentially protecting our, our purchase and our property. The disciples decide that it's okay for Jesus to leave them. And I think that's a marked difference, and it's one that can help us in this time. We would try to keep the status quo. It's in our nature to keep things as they are, to find some way to anchor down things in our life that try to blow away or move or change when we're not ready for it. But I noticed as I read the scripture that the disciples were open to something fresh, that they were open to something that was new and different. And we should commend the disciples for this because this is very different than how they typically operate. I want to take you back in time a little bit to Luke chapter 9. It's a little bit earlier in the same gospel that we've read this morning. And beginning in verse 28, it says about eight days after Jesus had said these things. Now remember, this is much earlier years before this experience in the life of Jesus. After Jesus said these things, he took Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking to him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. So this passage is actually pointing ahead to what we just read today. Peter and those who were with him were overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men who were with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to the master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them, and as they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone, and they were speechless at the time, told them that no one had seen. So what's happened here in this particular story is that the disciples are gathered together with Jesus on this hill. And as Jesus is basically revealed, God reveals Jesus for who he really is as, as the Son of God, as God, God's self. And all of a sudden, Peter's response, and I think the disciples in agreement with him, are saying, we've got we've to fix this scenario. We've got we've to we've nail these things down, so to speak, right? We've got to anchor 
this moment. So Jesus, let's build a shrine for you or, or a tabernacle. And the word that they used there was a dwelling place. They basically wanted to build a sacred place so that Jesus could stay there, so that Moses could stay there, so that Elijah could stay there. And so that anytime Peter or John or James or anyone else wanted to visit with them, they knew exactly where they would be. Can you relate to that? I would love to know the idea that any and every single time I needed Jesus, I know he's just a moment away in prayer, and I know that he lives within me and within you. But don't we miss those physical places that we know we can show up to, that we can be present in, and that we know that God is with us, that God is tangibly there? So how can we fault the disciples for wanting to do the exact same thing? They want to keep him close. They want to know that he's safe and that their little deity is right exactly where they left him last. So I think we can commend the disciples because while they got it wrong that first time around, they get it right by the time we come to the ascension, the passage that we already read this morning. But when there's something important or when there's a relationship that is valuable to us, we want to do everything in our power. And this isn't a bad thing to hold on to it. We want that thing or that person to stay with us regardless. We want to keep the status quo. Can I get an amen on some status quo right now, right? We want the security and the peace of mind that comes from knowing that the thing that we're looking for, the relationship that we have, the God that we know is exactly where we left it last. And I think that this is significant for us today. And, and so I want to offer you a question to think about it. I could have put it up on the screen, but uh, I wanted to see if we can keep our feed going. Why did Jesus need to ascend back to the Father? Right? He spent three years in the world. He uh, was raised from the dead. He spent 40 days after the resurrection, after Easter, with the disciples. Why all of a sudden does he need to go back to heaven? Why not just stay with us? Why not stay longer? Thank you for those amens on some status quo. Well, there's several reasons, and we won't be able to go into all of these today, but there's actually significant reasons why it's good that Jesus went back to heaven, went back to working from home. The first reason is that Jesus goes back to heaven and, and intercedes, which is a fancy way of saying that Jesus prays on our behalf to God. And so we have an advocate, someone who stands on our side, who knows us, who knows our problems, who knows what it's like to live as a human, and, and prays and pleads on our behalf. Jesus also goes back in order to pave the way to heaven. He tells us that where he is, that we will be, and that he goes ahead to prepare a place for us. And this gives us a lot of hope when we lose a loved one to know that Jesus paves the way to heaven for us so that we are not alone. But the most significant one, I believe, for today is that the reason Jesus goes back to heaven, ascends back up to home, is in order to send the Holy Spirit. When Jesus arrives back in heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, uh, the one who in the beginning of Genesis is revealed as the breath of God, the life of God, and sends the Spirit to all believers. Now, the Spirit, we did a series on this uh, last year. Uh, I think we called it something like, um, Hi, I'm the Holy Spirit. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is missing 
You can find that on our podcast if you want to go back and check some of those out. But the Holy Spirit has always been this mysterious entity, this mysterious person of God, fully God. In this instance, what we see, though, is that in the past, what we might call the Old Testament as we see it, the Holy Spirit was present and active and most often worked in a way where where the Spirit resided primarily on one person at a time. Most often, this was whoever was designated as the ruler of the people of Israel, and the Holy Spirit would dwell on that person and empower them to rule. Things changed a little bit in the New Testament as Jesus shows up, because all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is with Jesus, but is also beginning to expand its ministry and to expand out what they do. Things begin to change a little bit more. So as Jesus goes back into heaven, he sends the Spirit, and this is the radical change. This is why the ascension matters, because the Holy Spirit moves from dwelling over one person, a ruler, someone at the top of a pyramid. It moves from dwelling just within the person of Jesus Christ, and it moves to dwelling within each person who confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior. Everyone who is a believer in God, everyone who is a follower of Christ. And perhaps we've lived in that scenario for long enough through history that it doesn't seem revolutionary to us, but this is a game changer. The Spirit of the living God is living within each one of us. And so now, with the Spirit living in us, that's the reason that Jesus went back to heaven, was so that God could do something new in the universe, something that was fresh and different, and not what it was before, but something that was remarkably new. And if the disciples thought it was best to try to keep Jesus there with them in that moment, they would have missed out on the new and the fresh and perhaps the challenging thing that God was going to do. Make no mistake, following the Spirit would be a game changer. It would empower them with a sense of God with us. But it would also that the Spirit would lead them into new places, into new spaces, to people that they had not previously encountered or been in relationship with before. The Spirit of God was going to stretch them in new and fresh ways, and it was going to be hard. But the story of the book of Acts, which is where the story shifts to next, is that they saw the glory of God at work in them and through them, and it made all the difference in the world. Now, I realize that for us, that there's a lot of things that are happening around us right now that there is a desire to hang on to what we know or desire to know what's next, a desire to know some sort of timeline or next steps or plan with everything that's happening. It would be nice to have some security and some peace of mind. And we're talking about things this morning that are much bigger than me just trying to keep the pool in my backyard in check. We're talking about livelihoods. We're talking about jobs. We're talking about health and family members, about businesses, about incomes. We're, we're talking about the core meanings of, of, of what our life is made out of. And it would be nice to put some picnic tables on those things and make sure that they were there where we need them to be. So the question that we might have for God is, what in the world are you, are you up to right now? Well, we know from our faith that God did not cause this virus But the question is, is that what is God doing in the midst of this? What new or fresh thing is God doing in our world? And and that's a great question for us to ask ourselves. 
God, what is it that you want to do in this season in me? God, what is it that you want to do in this season in your church? What is it that you are trying to do in the world right now? Because if we can catch a vision of that, it may not be easy, but we'll be able to join and to partner with God in ministry in ourselves, in our world, in our church, and that'll change everything. We might ask the question in this time, God, how are you redeeming something that is horrible for good? There's that line in the song, you make beauty from ashes. Another question we might ask this morning is, how can I let go of what I cling to and trust, and trust that you've got me? Those are hard questions. They probably don't come with easy answers. But the ascension tells us that we have one who is in heaven, who is praying on our behalf, who knows what you're going through and what I'm going through. And as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. You know, Peter and the disciples tried to make a dwelling place, a temple, a tabernacle for, God, for Jesus on earth. And what Jesus was up to was he was trying to make a dwelling place within us for God's self, for the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit to reside within us. Man, I'm so glad that they allowed themselves in that ascension moment to let go and to trust God. The last thing that I recognized as I read this passage after trying to grab my own tent was that my response to things being lifted up and flying away was, oh no, and fear. <laughs> and the disciples' response was that they lived a life of prayerful worship next. Now, worshiping doesn't mean that everything is okay, that our life is rosy and perfect. Worshiping means that we are choosing to focus our attention onto God and in doing that to shift our perspective. So the question I have for you at home is, when life gets carried away and lifted up, I know that it's natural for you and I to rush in and to respond out of fear and uncertainty. But as we gather our bearings, I also want to make sure that we begin to put into our life practices that will help us to hold on to God in the midst. So I'd love to hear this one in the comments, if you've got a moment and can respond. Uh, take a moment to share in the comments, outside of a Sunday morning worship gathering, outside of this gathering, how do you create times of worship and prayer? Now, I had this that I could put on the screen and some suggestions for you this morning. Um, so I'd love, I'm going to share some ideas. I'd love for you to share how you create times of worship and prayer outside of Sunday morning. For some people, music is what does it. And sitting down with a playlist of worship songs or instrumental or classical music is what helps them to refocus their attention onto God. For others, it's sitting down and reading scripture. Perhaps it's following our daily reading guide, but focusing ourselves into a larger narrative that's happening. For some, it's gathering or pulling aside into a quiet place, whether in our house, in a chair, out back, and praying. For some, it's meditation and yoga. What are the ways that help you? And, and I hope that you'll share these in the comments because these can spark something for someone else and give them an idea that maybe they hadn't considered before and that might help them and help us 
as we try to figure out ways that we can worship and pray as the disciples did, when things are being lifted up around them and they're not exactly sure (laughs) if that's how they want things to go. So uh, thank you for those who are sharing. David said, a walk before sunrise. Yes, that's perfect. Uh, Listening to Christian music as I walk each night and praying for everyone that I pass. I love that connection between a practice that is personal of, of walking, but also social and outward and praying for those. So it tends to our souls and it tends to others too. Uh, praying inspirational mu- playing inspirational music on the piano and walking in nature. I wonder how many others find that, that walking outside and simply being outside in God's creation helps us to see a bigger picture. Getting up early to read the Bible, offering up uh, during the, sorry, the the text is a little bit smaller than I anticipated. Um, Putting a reminder on the phone to put the day on hold for a few minutes to pray and to rest. Uh, A simple prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. And we mentioned that in the kids' sermon the other week, but it's good for us to a breath prayer. As we breathe in, Jesus, and breathe out, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. All of these are different ways that we can sense and know that God is with us, that we can move ourselves into prayer and worship, and this changes our perspective. Maybe it doesn't fix the virus around us. Maybe it doesn't give us the job that we need, the income that we need, the support that we need in that moment. Maybe it doesn't make everything perfect, but we know that we are not alone We know that God is actively working for our best and for good. And so while we can't put a picnic table on our faith, and we can't anchor it down in the way that we like, the promise of Scripture this morning is that God is with us no matter what, and that Jesus is always at work, and God is always at work to do new things in us and around us. So I'd like to invite us to pray that we would be open to what God wants to do, and that we would open ourselves up to more of God through prayer and worship, And I'd like for that to be our challenge for this week. Find ways to set aside time for prayer and worship. Calendar reminder, write it in your planner. (laughs) There might not be much else in the planner right now, right? Make that time, and you'll find that God is with you, giving you the strength and the hope and the peace that you need in the moments that you need it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.